0: It is time for a round the 412 with Smitty and Tyler Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. Go check out our YouTube. And while you're over on the YouTube or a listening platform, go to the description. Check out some of the links that we have in there. Our first link is our year six of Rocket Around the 412, our Christmas Go uh, GoFundMe. It's crazy that we are almost in December. As of recording this, it's November 29th, and we're almost to December. Every year, it feels like it flies by so much. But if you want to, you can go click on that link, read about the mission. Over the past five years, we've been able to raise over $25,000. And including what we've raised so far this year, we hit another milestone. We've been able to raise over $30,000 in the first six years of this mission to be able to go to children in our local 724 and forward two area codes, which is absolutely nuts. I don't think Smitty or I thought that it would ever get this big when we started it. We, we started out the first year helping out a, a local Um, place in Aliquippa and it grew and grew and it's continued to grow and we thank all of you so much for the support but yeah $30,000 in the first six years of this mission is awesome and obviously want to continue to grow that so if you're interested in that or you haven't donated yet or if you're interested in sharing it We have a link in the description of each of these shows on the listening platforms and on the YouTube. We've got a second link as well. Actually, two other links. We've got an Etsy and a Facebook link for everything custom designs. Our friend Haley Wagner, it's her small business. If you want to go check those out, We've got a lot of holiday stuff going. I've seen on her Facebook that she's posting a lot of Christmas stuff, whether you like the Grinch, you like Hell Malone, whether you we, whether you like a customized stocking. We were wondering if that was going to be the case. I saw that last week she yeah. posted that yep. she is doing those. So if you want to get ready for Christmas time, go hit her up. She'll get you hooked up with all of her stuff. And you don't need Christmas clothing, and you need some sports apparel, Pittsburgh apparel, whatever you're looking for, she can hook you up. So go check out the Facebook link and the Etsy, Etsy link. All of those links will be found in the description of each of these
1: shows moving Forward. I'm glad that you said about the GoFundMe, the rock around the 412 first and it gave me some time because if people are watching on YouTube they're going to be able to tell probably I don't know if you could. My my eyes were getting a little bit watery there, uh, especially when you mentioned the $30,000 thing. I mean, when we started this in 2018 and like you said we raised about $1500 the money went to a 24-7 pediatric center in Aliquippa, which was awesome. But like what it's grown into since then, the amount of people that we get involved with it every single year. Um, Christy, who owns uh, a bar, actually, um, I, you know, I got to be able to give her a proper shout out. So I'm sorry, I'm going to have to look up what this establishment is. But like Keeks, it's going to be another place where we're going to have Big Swickly Quik- Creek Brewery um, was the name of this place. Big, Big, S- Swickly, Big Swickly Creek Quik creek brewery yeah that, that that got me the first time quick. Um, it is uh it's an economy borough so go uh, check that out we put it on facebook that they're gonna be doing that as well but from the 10th to the 12th i believe you're gonna be able to, to drop off a donation there and if you do that she'll get your information you'll still be eligible to win some of the prizes that we do uh, but between you know that keeks Kaylee and Isla's involvement, the way that this thing has grown over the last couple of years, the amount of people that want to be involved with it. The school, you know, I was, I was on here complaining about the school, um, a couple of weeks ago. I had the nurse from Central Valley reach out to me because they had a family that they thought would fit the criteria. Um, so we're going to be able to help out a local family, which is great to do along with the Salvation Army stuff. Um, and she also made a donation through my mom today. So, um, again, like that's what gets me is the amount of people um, that rally together to be a part of this thing along with us. We always talk about it like we're kind of the vessel. You know, we're the ones that put it together and stuff. But everybody that donates is where the money is coming from to be able to provide this Christmas for the people. And it's getting to the point now I showed Tyler right before we started recording. I got like literally just outside of my camera shot here. And I'll, I'll switch the camera shots. So you guys can see it real quick. You can see that there's starting to be boxes coming into my camera here the thing is that starts basically like against the wall and it's already gotten to this point i still have the gifts for three more kids coming here for the salvation army stuff and then these three little girls of this family i'm talking about so we will see how much space i have to do this whole podcasting thing within the next couple of days uh next week's episode very interested to see how that's going to go um but it's, it's it's all worth it it's great uh absolutely love this mission we talked about all the time it's our baby Uh, I get emotional talking about it, as I said, so I'll stop there. But again, the link to donate down below, if you want to be involved strictly with the Salvation Army stuff, you only have a couple more days. Actually, this will be the last episode we record that you guys are able to donate to that because those need to cut off on the first, because we need everything ordered before, uh, everything needs to be here by the seventh because the drop off is the eighth for that. So we need to make sure everything's done before December 8th for that. As far as for just in general for this family that we just recently got and we'd like to be able to try to find at least one more family, uh, we can take donations up until the 11th. I set uh, a hard date of the 11th. That gives me two weeks to know exactly the amount of money that we have to work with and who we can help out. So as Tyler mentioned in the description of the show, that's where the GoFundMe is. You can read the full mission there. We give you like a brief rundown at the beginning and end of every show. But the full mission statement uh, is always going to be found at the GoFundMe, which is our pin post on X. The description has it as well. All that good stuff. Tyler, we weren't here last week to do a Steelers show. And, I know. Uh, coincidentally, something pretty big happened last week that would have made sense to talk about. But, you know, with Thanksgiving every- – by the way, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I think Thanksgiving maybe was a little bit sweeter for Steelers fans knowing that Matt Canada – relieved of his duties following that Cleveland Browns game that we didn't talk about. They lost. It's in the, that's far in the past. I don't even know that it makes sense to bring up anything from that game. At this point, Matt Canada relieved of his duties of offensive coordinator. I think there was a lot of intrigue into what that first game without him would look like against Cincinnati. And to be honest with you, as much as I obviously did not want Matt Canada to be the offensive coordinator, of this football team anymore, I kind of thrown off by the timing of when they decided to do it. I felt like at this point, let's just ride it out through the season. But with what they showed on Sunday, I disagree with myself for having that point of view, because you can't measure the morale of the players. I think that was up. Like these guys seem to play with a higher level of confidence. That's something that we couldn't measure. Like we could sit here and say, man, if you don't have a guy that has experience, and I know that Mike Sullivan has called plays before, but he doesn't even have as good of a resume as Matt Canada. So you have him and you have Eddie Faulkner as co-offensive coordinators really questioning myself was, at the time this move being made, they go out on Sunday, have 421 yards of offense, first 400-yard game since week two of 2020. Now only 16 points, so obviously there were still plays left out on the field. But from an execution standpoint, they used the middle of the field. Pat Fryermuth led the league in receiving yards this past week took some deep shots. I feel like despite scoring 16 points, very clearly something was different about this offense. What do you think?
0: 100%. I mean, and even if you want to go just specifically to Kenny Pickett, I don't know what it was about him. Maybe it was the passing chart. We all saw the post game passing chart. First, of first his. game
1: this year uh, with his completion percentage above expected positive. First time this year.
0: That Well, that, that's a plus. And then if you look at that passing chart that he had, there were several shots over the middle, including the first reception of the game, uh, a shot to Pat Fryermuth immediately over the middle. They wasted no time showing that they were not going to be afraid to target over the middle of the field. And it definitely helps that Pat Fryermuth was back as well. But there was just something about Kenny specifically that now he didn't have a perfect game, obviously. He didn't turn over the ball, but he didn't have a perfect game. But there's just something that felt like his, like, his swagger was back. His confidence was back a little bit. Like He didn't seem like the same quarterback that we had rolled out for the previous weeks, the, the, All pretty much all season. It seemed like the one thing that we always said that uh, Kenny is not going to lack is confidence. And I don't even think we realized or even thought necessarily that he was lacking confidence in the games leading up to this one during this season. But I think that watching this game, I realized maybe he was lacking something oh, with his confidence. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it, it, it just seemed night and day different. And that's how the offense felt as well. I mean, the the way that um, they were moving the ball, the way Najee was running the ball, he had a great game as well. I just think the offense just, it, it, it was almost like a weight lifted off their shoulders. And listen, it's not personal. This is nothing against Matt Canada, but I feel like, Matt Canada was a weight bearing down on everybody on that staff's shoulders. That and and I think that not even just from a a necessarily his actual role as a play caller and everything, but just like the tension that it probably brought eventually in the locker room. And I don't know how much yeah. truth it, it came from it, but the, the, we they said, I said there were, there was rumors that this firing came to save the locker room basically from from the players. Yeah. And it, and then even after after the game the previous week. Um, you could see in some of the responses in the post game, like players were kind of hesitant to to actually say things. Well, and whenever that Nagy, happens,
1: Najee was a guy that was backing the coaching staff earlier in the season, saying the players need to just go out there and execute. Like coaches coach players play, and basically yeah. had the coaches back a little bit different tune after that Cleveland game, in my opinion. Yeah. Where you know he spoke out, Deontay spoke out, and I think that's kind of what they were getting at. And then we see. Canada relieved of his duties 2 days later.
0: Yeah, I I think that he probably was starting to lose the locker room. I mean, I I don't know how you can have that inefficient of an offense and continue to do that way, especially in the weeks like leading up to his firing. You started to see like individual guys have better games, especially in the run game. The Steelers started to figure things that like that out. So, for a guy like Najee to have his tune changed, I I don't think that that is surprising because he's like well, I've started executing. The offensive line has started to execute, but we're still not moving the ball. We're still not putting up points. And did they put up points in this game? Obviously, no. But I think that this is something to build off of the more to come. They, I, I honestly think that them breaking the 400-yard mark is almost like whenever you have like a scoring drought in hockey, where it's just like once they get one, I just feel like they're going <laughs> to get more. And I, I, I feel like that could be the case with the offense. Like Obviously, I don't think they're going to turn into the the Eagles or the Chiefs when it comes to offense. But I do think that you might find more consistent play in the opposite offense. You're going to find more consistent play in Kenny. And it, I hate to say it was all off of one guy, but you saw the difference just in one game what that made. Because we, we were saying that it wasn't all Matt Canada. It still isn't all Matt Canada because the offense wasn't perfect but I think you saw how much of an impact it actually was of Matt Canada, just from that one game that they had without him.
1: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't all on Matt Canada from the perspective of the play calling stuff, but we, again, we cannot measure. There's no way to do it. What the trickle down effect was of him being the offensive coordinator and him still being around this coaching staff daily, being around these players morale clearly hit a, the lowest that it could get in Tomlin's opinion to have to make this move unprecedented move for the Pittsburgh Steelers um the confidence thing I think is interesting because i, I do think that there's started to be a lack thereof from Kenny but the question is is it within himself or is it within the offense that he was didn't have confidence in in his, their ability to move the football and you know see what was there because again You could go back, you could watch the tape, you could see the guys were open and Kenny just wasn't hitting them for whatever reason. But was there something deeper than the fact that just like his accuracy, for whatever reason, something that we would have never questioned about Kenny coming into the 2023 season, all of a sudden went haywire? Like, how do we measure the intangible versus the tangible things which were playing into all of these things with the offense? You brought up Najee Harris too. Fantastic game. I felt like we were kind of due for one of those ones where Najee Harris was the better back than Jalen Warren in this one. Fumble aside, I think Najee Harris was far more effective in this one than Jalen Warren was 30 some yards over expected for Najee Harris. Um, but I just think they found an identity. It has started to work now for straight games with over 120. Is it 125 or 150 rushing yards? Either way, uh, they're shooting for their fifth straight one against uh against Arizona on Sunday. But with what they've started to do on offense, I'm not saying for sure that those the points are all of a sudden going to come because I think it's a different beast being able to execute in the red zone as opposed to in between the 20s. But it's like it's building blocks. Like with how low they were offensively, the next step was to find an identity. They found their identity in the run game. Okay, this is what we want to do. Can we go out there and execute it? Now they've executed it for about a month straight. Sunday, they add a little bit of a passing attack to that. Kenny really really solid 278 yards. I know he didn't throw a touchdown. He well, he did throw a touchdown, but it didn't get rolled a touchdown. They didn't challenge it. Um, but really good outside of that. Got the tight end involved. Use the middle of the field. They, they, there's building blocks here, it's not happening as fast as we would like, but we know that their defense can keep them afloat until they figure out whatever it is fully to get this offense going. So I am, I'm, I'm super encouraged by what they did offensively. It doesn't change my entire outlook of this team, but with a the schedule they had, I thought they were going to be, you know, an 11 or so win team anyway, with what they have the rest of the way. But I, it gives me more confidence in their ability to win a playoff game. And the reason being, and TJ talked about this, and I want to get your take on this too. TJ talked about, and I wouldn't have thought about this, the time of possession, you know, the Steelers for the first time this season won the time of possession as well in this one. And what that allowed them to do was only play 43 defensive snaps. When you're able to keep those guys on the defensive side of the football that fresh, how much more effective can they be? Like, TJ thinks there's still another level to unlock with this defense because they've had to play, you know, 65-ish snaps. That dropped down to Mm -hmm. 43 on Sunday. And they're about to get Minka Fitzpatrick back. They've had Minka, TJ, Cam, and Highsmith for all of two series this year in the 49ers game. Then Cam was hurt and then Manko was hurt by the time Cam came back. So they haven't had these guys all together. How good can they be if they're only on the field? If the Steelers are able to, if their offense, maybe not put up points, but own time of possession because of how well they run the ball, how good can this defense be? I don't think we've seen it yet.
0: I don't think so either. I think it'd be really good. And I don't think the Steelers are the only one plagued by that with an offense. offense's inefficiency really... Wearing down on the defense. I mean, look at what I I think happens in New York all the time with the Jets. The New York Jets have a a stellar defense. But as games go on and your defense is constantly on the field, eventually the team's going to break through. They're going to wear them down. And I feel like the Steelers, that happens too often this season. I mean, think about how many three and outs we've had this season that your defense gets, what, maybe two minutes of a break? And if they're lucky, they get, like, four or five because there's a TV timeout. But in reality they're not getting a ton of breather. They're not They're not staying fresh, and they're constantly on the field. Luckily, there's a lot of skill, so it hasn't absolutely killed the team. But th- like you're saying, think about how good the, the defense and this team could be if the offense does sustain these drives. And I think that finding the run game is going to be able to do that and, and continue these drives more. Being able to have that confidence on offense, that's going to be able to continue these drives more. Having confidence with Kenny Pickett, that's going to be able to continue to do that more. I think that you're showing signs that they're making a turn in the right direction offensively to be able to help your team out defensively, to have the right combination of who should be on the field for what. And also 43 snaps to me. I saw you tweet. <laughs> was it about Trenton Thompson but saying that yeah, he played 100%, 100% or – or no, he 42, played 42 of, of 43 he played a 42 things, of 43 one. yeah 42 of 43 when you said they had 43 defensive snaps at mm-hmm. first I was like is this a typo like I, there was no <laughs> way that they played that little on defense but I get in reality they did I mean they they won the time of possession and that that matters in games like this that matters with a team that is set up to to win that way where they're like you said they're finding their identity I think their identity is to to ground and pound, run the football, be able to pass when you need to, but I think that the Steelers are best set up to really dominate the clock and dominate time of possession, and then your defense is just going to suffocate people. And especially when you get all of your your key players back, like you have minkith hopefully coming back this week, that defense mm-hmm. is built to suffocate people, and especially if they're all healthy and they get the breathers that they need to during the games, I mean, sky's the limit for this defense. I, I, th- I think that they are only going to get better from here. Obviously, when you're like two-thirds of the way into the season, you would like to have had, had more of that so far. Yeah. But considering where the Steelers are and the place that they're in, they're still in a playoff hunt, I think that they are in a really good place right now and figuring out at the right time. If they're going to be able to to do what a lot of teams do where they get hot at the right time and, and take that into the playoffs, I think that now and what they showed on Sunday is a great start to what has hopefully – going to be a great future for the rest of the season
1: I don't believe in jinxes if if it doesn't happen I'll I'll put out this clip on my own and everybody can roast me the Steelers are making the playoffs like what seed it's going to be I don't know they're 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 making the playoffs with where they're at right now with the remaining schedule they have they have an 81% chance of making the playoffs and that's before they play Arizona New England indianapolis without jonathan taylor still on the schedule the seahawks looked very different with the way that Geno smith has played clearly banged up don't know if he's going to play tomorrow night the time of recording this against dallas but who knows where that team's going to be and let's face it lamar who the steelers have had their success against for sure has played every game this year you think that's going to continue we know at some point he's not going to play he played the first game against the steelers you think he's gonna play both games against the steelers so steelers very favorable schedule down the stretch they're making the playoffs There's nothing more damning about what we said with the defense in terms of, okay, listen, they're 24th right now in terms of yards given up, but they are 11th in terms of yards per play given up. They're just on the field way too much because their offense is Mm -hmm. putting them out there. This is a really good defense, and if the offense is able to control time of possession a little bit more, they're going to be even better. Sixth in points per game, fifth in turnovers, like they're, they're there. They are there. It's just a matter of the offense giving them a shot to be more efficient.
0: And they have a favorable schedule to do it, like you were just saying. Like, you're playing yeah. some pretty bad teams over the next couple Listen. weeks, and then there's very winnable games, even even against I would
1: argue, I would argue New England I, – I feel better about them beating New England Arizona, which is crazy to say right now. Is it because or Kyler right came now, back? It would be crazy to say. Yeah, Kyler Kyler's playing very well. Arizona still only has two wins on the year. I just think that they're tougher to play defense against because of Kyler than New England's going to be.
0: Yeah, harder to contain on for sure. Yeah.
1: And also, I want to ask you: you literally literally have
0: polar opposites at quarterback and back to back weeks, right? Yeah,
1: we we don't even know who's going to be at quarterback for New England. Matt Jones did not throw a pass in practice today. It was Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham. So I don't know what's going to happen there. If it's Malik Cunningham, and actually, kind of that that does change things because that is the mobile quarterback that you're talking about. Um, For anybody that doesn't know about Malik Cunningham, Louisville product, uh, hasn't played. I think he played in one game this year. Um was he even drafted? Was he like a fifth round pick? I don't or think was he was drafted.
0: drafted.
1: Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, he is potentially gonna play for it, it's crazy how far down the totem pool Mac Jones has fallen. Looked like a server Remember when everybody thought that here. was
0: the best pick? Like the the, bet, yeah, the like best, yeah, like just in sat, terms of like
1: they stood still and didn't have to move up it to get yeah. with one of those Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Yeah, they didn't take the swing, they just stuck you know, stuck in picks. Matt that, Jones. 20,
0: that 2021 quarterback class right now is looking atrocious.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, Trenton Thompson, I wanted to bring him up. Two back to back starts, played really well in both of them. Now make Fitzpatrick coming back in the fold. I would like to think Trenton Thompson still is going to have a role. I mean, you look at, they don't have Keanu Neal who's on IR, so he can maybe play that role, that third safety. Um, He's a little bit lighter than Keanu. I think Keanu's got like 15 pounds on him. So I don't know if you can ask him to do like everything that Keanu Neal was doing in terms of like being that dime linebacker. But this matchup specifically, I look at Arizona has an emerging tight end, Trey McBride, really good. He's coming on, he's burst onto the scene this year. Uh, Been a go-to target for Kyler. And especially with the health of Hollywood Brown and Michael Wilson, another uh, a rookie out of Stanford, um, Trey McBride's kind of been that guy. With the way that Thompson matched up against Njoku and, and played really well, and with the way that he kind of negated Cincinnati's tight ends, who it's not a great room anyway, but I feel like that's kind of his specialty. You got to figure Trenton Thompson is still going to play a role on Sunday against Arizona because of Trey McBride's presence, even if Mink is back in the fold, right?
0: I would think so. And I think that goes back to something that we talked about when, whenever we, we discussed what we thought the defense was going to do in the absence of Minka, where you, you want to play your best players. You you want to have them on the field. And I think Trenton Thompson has shown that he's one of your better better players in the secondary, especially over the last couple of weeks, being able to show what he can do, especially with the, he got that key pick in that Bengals game as well. Um, but I, I, mm-hmm. I think absolutely. And also – he is very lightweight. He's under two hundred pounds. He's one hundred. He's listed yep. at one hundred and ninety-six pounds. Um, yeah, despite like that, I think despite that, I still think that you you could see him be the one to cover Trey McBride um, because of the success that he's had against those tight ends. And like I said, it, it just goes back to playing your best guys. And if he's the one with the hot hand right now, he's the one that, that's that's going out there on the field and performing the the way that you want somebody to. I, I would fully expect the Steelers to be able to incorporate him still within the defense even though mink is coming back just because it, it just boils down to you want to put your best foot forward you want to have the best players on the field as possible and get in those positions to where you're not having somebody just because they are in or, or out of out of position I guess or out of their natural position and necessarily but des- despite that, He's performed well. I think he's earned that. And I think he's earned the, the the role to be able to at least do it for this next upcoming Sunday.
1: What do you think about the linebackers? I mean, Michael Walker, Landon Roberts, we knew was going to have to play a massive role for this team when Cole Holcomb and then Quan Alexander went down in back-to-back weeks. Landon Roberts, we knew was going to have to play a huge role. There was probably a question in terms of how well he would play. That game against Cleveland was as good of a game as I've seen from Steelers linebacker in a very long time. And I thought he was solid against Cincinnati, too. Obviously not as tested by them. Um, but Michael Walker played 84% of the snaps against Cincinnati and then played basically the same against, or I'm sorry, 84% against Cleveland in the first start and then played a ton against Cincinnati, too. Clearly, he is the other starter next to Landon Roberts when we thought maybe it would be Mark Robinson or or somebody else like an outside addition. They
0: shut that down.
1: <laughs> yeah, they shut it down very quick. Um, what have you made, though, of that inside linebacker duo? I,
0: I thought it was good. Honestly, losing arguably your two best uh, linebackers in back-to-back weeks, I wasn't sure what the Steelers were going to do. Wasn't sure what how what to expect from the room as a whole. I thought that could leave a gap over the middle of the field for the Steelers' defense. But I thought that for the moves that they've made, I, I thought it, it was great. I, I, I thought that they looked really good um, in the absence of Cole, Holcomb and Quan Alexander. And it, I'll say it's it's probably as good as I could have hoped to be able to replace those two guys in such a short amount of time um, with mm-hmm. the stipulations that they had at hand, meaning like they were post-trade deadline. So they couldn't just go out and get somebody that way. They had to be creative of how they were bringing guys in and be able to replace those players. I think that they've done a good job of that. I think that they've done a good job on the field of being able to replace those guys. Obviously, you're not going to fully replace them over the course of the season. It's only been a couple weeks, but I I think from from what we've seen so far, I'm pleasantly surprised from what I've seen from the Steelers linebackers. And yeah, it was just kind of funny how immediately—I mean, even even the week after (laughs) Robinson was not getting any run whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I know. I don't even think did he even
0: play a snap the week after Quan Alexander got
1: hurt? I don't think he he did. Not not on defense. Played some special teams, obviously, but he was doing that anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, now they've brought in Blake Martinez into the fold, who's on the 53. We'll see if he gets a helmet Uh, on the next game. We didn't think he'd be up to speed. then Miles Jack is back on the practice squad, which is crazy. I'm not against it. I think that, you know, it makes sense to have depth there. Miles was playing on like one leg most of last year, too. Like, I don't know how many people know this, but like he had a groin tear on the left side of his leg. Like, so it was not obviously a full tear, but a partial groin tear playing through that all of last or all not all of last season but most of last season what week would that have happened like six when did we play tampa i think it was like week six ish
0: it was week six because i believe week seven was when we lost to the eagles and week
1: eight was when we lost
0: to miami and then we had our bye
1: yep yep look at that just going right back to the 2022 schedule like it's nothing so yeah that was the game where he got hurt and he played the rest of the year uh injured so i don't know that we got the full version of miles jack who i don't think is anything close to the player he once was in jacksonville anyway but he was even worse version of that last year we'll see if we have to see him at all clearly he's not very high in the pecking order right now but as we've also seen hey you can lose inside linebackers at any time so we will see if we have to uh utilize his services at all this year um where did I want to go with this? Oh, I want to talk about the offense again because of bringing up Pat Friermuth. I don't know that we necessarily thought like, okay, he is the one guy that is going to benefit the most from moving on from Matt Canada. Obviously, we didn't have a conversation on here because again, we didn't even have an episode until right now since Canada mm-hmm. was fired. But I personally thought it was going to be and and not to say that they didn't run, the, they ran the ball well again. Obviously, I thought with Eddie Faulkner taking over as OC, even with Sullivan being the one calling the plays, it was going to be the running back show. I thought we were going to see Jalen Warren and Najee Harris all day. What do you make of the fact that Pat Fryermuth was so heavily involved in this game? Was it just, do you think it was an emphasis? Do you think it was him getting back fully healthy? Like, obviously, he came back the week before, but hamstrings are tricky. Probably wasn't at 100%. What, what was the reason you think that Pat Friermuth was clearly the emphasis of this passing game?
0: Well, I think that it was finally just Kenny targeting the middle of the field. Honest, honestly, I think that routes were there, and we've we've seen routes be there over the middle of the field throughout the season. Um, Not with Pat Friermuth, but just because he's been injured, but with mm-hmm. other guys, they, they, the, the middle of the field has been open, but I don't think that... Kenny has been targeting it and I don't know for whatever reason if Matt with Matt Canada being gone it's like suddenly outside the hashes he or or in between the hashes it was like an opening and it was like curtains being drawn back and it's like oh I can throw here and I honestly I, I feel like it has to do more with who is who was Kenny was or where Kenny was looking at to go through the ball with more so than necessarily an emphasis of them trying to get Pat Fry with the ball. I'm sure they wanted to get him involved. He is a great player and and is a big body. He's a mismatch with some of the the guys that he goes against on defense and he can really move the ball down the field. But I, I, I think that it was more so just a connection thing with him and Kenny and Kenny realizing that he's going to be open over the middle of the field because there was multiple connections with that. And it reminded me of that one throw in the preseason. Honestly, the, the, I forget who it was against in the preseason, but there was the one um, throw that was over the middle, it was like a, a thirty-yard pass from from Kenny to Pat Fryermuth. That's mm-hmm. that rem- that's what it reminded me of watching it in this game. Is like, oh, that connection is still there, and I think that that was partially Kenny remembering that he has that connection over the middle of the field. And maybe without Pat Frymuth in there, maybe that's that's part of the reason that we didn't see him over the middle of the field more this season so far, is because Pat Frymuth hasn't been there for a lot of it.
1: Yeah. Like you mentioned, though, like guys have been open in the middle of the field. They're really not running like a, or weren't running a lot of like in breaking stuff, though. You know, I, I really do think they made it a point, though, on the first play of the game. Tight end target over the middle of the yeah. field. Like it seemed like that was what they wanted to do. I also think it was a product of what Cincinnati was giving them. You know, a lot of cover two, a lot of cover six. They play a lot of two high safety. They'll let like you can target the middle of the field with the defensive looks that they were giving them. Um, you know, was Kenny going to take it? He did on Sunday. So, you know, credit to him. You got to tip your cap. I do think one area, and I don't obviously want to talk. Like, there is negative stuff to bring up, though. I mean, just being realistic, watching the game, he had a few misses. But one thing that I noticed, too, in Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator, I hope it's a head coaching job this cycle. There's It's seemingly going to be a bunch of them available, because I think he's one of the best, despite where that defense has played at this year. The He had Kenny confused a lot with the sim pressures that he was throwing him. I mean, they were rushing like four guys, and you would think they were rushing seven with the way Kenny was panicking at times. Mm -hmm. Um, so he was fooling him for sure on some of those. And I didn't think Kenny looked super comfortable in the pocket at times. Uh, so there were still, you know, some lowlights to me about Kenny's game, but I think from start to finish, it was his most complete game since he's come into the NFL, despite the fact that he didn't throw a touchdown.
0: Yeah, I could agree with that. I, I, and I think that's how much can we say that that is, is it, is it correlation or is it causation? That it happens the week after Matt Canada is gone, like is again, is it because like that he's gone that this happens, or is it just a coincidence?
1: Again, I, I think it goes back to the stuff that you can't measure because I think the opportunities have been there even with Canada as the offensive coordinator for enough plays to be made to reach 400 yards or to to score more points, and they're leaving them out on the field. But we don't know how those players felt with you know what was going on off of the field or just morally where they were at like it's hard to get into the head of players but I I I guess I don't know. I, I mean clearly though again you don't just overnight all of a sudden be able to go for 421 yards and the guy that was in charge prior not being there and there not be some correlation. It's just a matter of if it was to me play calling like the sequencing of them and them really having Cincinnati off balance, or if it was simply just the players playing better because of him not being around. I, I don't know. I think that's the question that we need answered, which we won't get an answer to.
0: Yeah. I, I saw a really funny TikTok, Um, and it was a clip from the, it was, no, it was a clip from the office and it was whenever Andy was the manager of the office. and, he extended a goal to the team and they reached that selling goal in one day mm, and yeah. it just cut it just cut to him saying it took him one day and it was like the <laughs> Steelers the Steelers breaking their 400 yard like is that when he has of, to get a tattoo like, yeah yeah that's when he yeah. has to get a tattoo but it was like it took him one day
1: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's just how like, i wonder if you were matt canada in that situation how are you feeling? Watch, because I'm—I'm I'm sure he watched the game, seeing that that, that they were able I don't to know. man. man I did, must feel like broke he's it, just like, like
1: in Virginia on a beach or something. Like I—I I, I don't know. I don't know if he did watch the game.
0: Yeah, that's true. Also, another thing with it with his uh, dismissal that I just wanted to bring up—it is mm-hmm. absolutely wild that the Steelers have not had a coordinator or a head coach that have been dismissed or fired, or removed, or removed themselves, I guess, in this last case, uh, since pre-World War II with a United States involvement in World War II. World War II was going on, but the United States weren't involved yet. It was the second week of the season in 1941. Pearl Harbor wasn't attacked for another three months, and that's the last time that the Steelers have had an in-season firing or removal of a coach in of of a coordinator or a head coach in season
1: i feel really bad because i was laughing at what you were saying and then you said pearl harbor so let's let's get this out of the way i do not want to be canceled i was not laughing at the pearl harbor aspect of what you said there just the idea just the idea yeah shout out to your grandfather thank you for your service but just the idea that it's been that long Think about how different the world was in 1941, and that was the last time that we could talk about the Steelers making a move similar to the one that the they Steelers made. The Steelers were eight McKenna. years old. Yeah.
0: They and don't you know how bad for eight years.
1: You know how bad you have to be for the Roonies to be willing to pay you to not coach? I know Mike Tomlin says he made this decision on his own. That's not possible. Like, he could have said, this is what I want to do. Are you okay with it? Am I allowed to do this? Rooney is still the owner and is still the one that has to pay the guy. Tomlin cannot make him do that to not coach. So regardless of what Tomlin says, there's still, there's levels to this. Rooney would still have to okay whatever it was Tomlin wanted to do, which in this case was fire, Matt Canada. So thank you to both. It's It's
0: absolutely nuts. Absolutely. Also, thank
1: you to Matt Canada for trying, I think. (laughs)
0: <laughs> 80 it, it 82 years ago. Yeah. Was the last time it happened.
1: That is brutal. Um
0: think about think about how many people you know like think about how many people you know that are younger than 82. Probably most of the people that you know. They weren't alive whenever that happened.
1: Yeah. 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 Um I don't want to spend too much time on this, and every time I say that we spend too much time on whatever it is that I bring up, that I said I don't want to spend too much time on. Um, but I feel like we have to at least touch on the Deontay Johnson stuff. Um, and it, I'm not talking about the touchdown that wasn't. You know, they decide Actually, not to we, challenge. Can
0: we touch on the? Can we touch on the touchdown that wasn't real quick? Why do they? <laughs> why do they struggle so much to challenge plays? Why do they like so did you why do they Tomlin... not have somebody that's on the staff that is specifically watching every single play to make a decision?
1: Well, there is somebody in the booth that's doing it. Well, he that. sucks. Yeah. But Tomlin obviously, like, again, this is one of those things similarly to Canada, where to me, the failure was made not on Sunday, but before the season, to not bring in somebody that actually specializes into that. Because it's somebody that's you said somebody just for that. So maybe I'm saying the wrong thing by saying there is somebody to do that because it's somebody that has other duties. They're just also in charge of that. We don't know who it is. It might be Glenn Thomas. Honestly, I think think
0: that they need to bring in somebody that their sole job is to watch replays to see if you need to challenge or not. And I think you need to Mm -hmm. take the executive power out of Tomlin's hand and you put it into this dude's hand. And once he gets into the headset of Mike Tomlin, whether he says yes or no, Mike Tomlin just listens. He doesn't second guess. He doesn't even have to any give any thought into it. He just listens to what the dude says, and you go from there.
1: Here's the thing, and I, I might have changed my mind on this. I don't know that it gets overturned, and the reason I say that is Tomlin mentioned this on his press conference, Tomlin Tuesday. If they feel it's even close, they typically roll at a touchdown because then it's automatically reviewed, and they could say, okay, it's not. So then they'll take a look at it. If they roll on the field that it was a that he didn't catch it, that he didn't complete the process, they're probably not overturning it, regardless of what Gene. I know what Gene Steratore said, but he's not the one that's making that call. I I don't know. I don't know if it gets overturned. I mean, it it should have been like it was a it was a wrong call on the field for sure. I just don't know that it gets overturned, even if it's challenged, because I saw people talking about like the surviving the ground thing. I don't think that they realize like that's if it's all in one. Pro, like once Deontay Johnson had that third foot down, is the third that's out foot of the equation.
0: considered a quote unquote play, like football move? Like you getting you yes. getting a third foot down?
1: Yes. Then it becomes null and void the fact that he didn't survive the ground. Is the third foot? So basically, what the officials were saying is he didn't get that third foot down, and he didn't survive the ground.
0: Honestly, I don't even think the officials were thinking that. I think they just saw the ball come out. <laughs> like like, initially like i i think that they probably just saw him hit the ground and the ball came out and so they just rolled it no catch it probably wasn't until a replay that they that they saw that he got three feet down
1: anyway that actually wasn't the deontay johnson thing that i wanted to talk about because very next play Jalen warren fumbles and maybe like deontay johnson if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt originally i thought Jalen warren was down and i'm like what do they do they're just you know, of course, Cincinnati's going to complete the play, act like it was a fumble, but he legitimately did fumble. Deontay Johnson. Now, I will say this, and Charles Davis talked about this. I asked Alan about it because I had never heard this, but it is a legit thing. Mentioned because my issue wasn't even necessarily with that because I just thought he didn't see the ball. My issue was the fact that he wasn't blocking off the line of scrimmage. Like, it didn't look like he was interested in the play at all immediately from the snap. But. There are plays where they will tell receivers, don't block. Act like you know, keep the cornerback thinking that you're maybe running a route. See if they get on their back pedal right away off the snap. If you immediately go into a block, it's gonna give it away that it's a running play. So that makes sense to me. Maybe he was told not to block on the play. But everything that happens on that just seems like a very disinterested player on so, that very next play. I
0: don't I you're going to have a really hard time trying to sell me that he was looking like he was going to run around. No. Yeah. He wasn't doing
1: anything. I mean, he wasn't doing anything off the snap. So, you know, that happens. Jalen Warren fumbles the ball. Deontay's walking the opposite direction of where the ball is. And then he gets picked up by a Cincinnati player. And still he's not running down the field to chase the guy, Connor Hayward, who was pancake, like put on his back on the same play gets up and ends up chasing the guy down, potentially saving a touchdown on this play, which obviously ended up being massive. Because who knows how the game plays out if that's the case. Uh this is far more unacceptable. Like people that want to bring up the drops or the running backwards, which happened for like the first time this season on Sunday. That's not been a thing that I've noticed this year. When watching live or watching the games back, to me, that's stupid. We're well past those times for Deontay Johnson. This cannot happen though. And I mean, I, I'm completely fine with the way that Tomlin addressed it. I'm glad that Deontay Johnson addressed it both on Sunday and then again here today when he talked to the media. And to me, that should be the end of it. Whatever his teammates said, whatever his coaches said, whatever they, as long as they felt like they got an acceptable answer and they feel like it's not going to happen going forward, he owes me nothing. So hopefully that is the case. We can put this to rest and it doesn't happen again. But in the moment, really bad look. And again, Hopefully that's the only time that we see it, not just in 2023, but going forward.
0: Well, that's the thing; it can't happen again. If you're Deontay Johnson, you cannot let ha- that thing happen again because right. yeah. because you apologize for it twice in in one week. You you, you cannot mm-hmm. let it happen again. And uh, listen, I I know some people were wanting to give Deontay Johnson the benefit of the doubt, saying like even, even even Deontay Johnson on Sunday said like he I don't know if he said he thought he was down or he didn't see the fumble. Um but you can clearly see even after his just walk forward at the DB, you can clearly mm-hmm. see if you just watch the replay slowly, when the ball pops out, you see his head move a little bit. Like he clearly saw the football. I and if right, he the thought, better
1: answer would have been saying he thought Jalen Warren was down, but then you would still be he you would be questioning. But he said he didn't the see the fumble. Like,
0: yeah. Right. And if he wants to say that, whatever. He clearly saw it, and if he thought he was down, then fine. You you think he was down, but when you see everyone else start running, even if you thought he was down, and especially in the NFL where they let plays play out, and and they've gotten into the habit of if there's a turnover on the field where it could be questionable, they're still going to not blow the whistle most of the time to let the play run out. Don't you think you should start running? If you just see everybody, yeah, it was just a it was a bad overall play. Uh, <laughs> that that was it was not a yeah. pretty Sunday, especially for for Steelers fans um, at Deontay Johnson with with some of the stuff that happened in that game. That was just, well, just icing like, on the cake too.
1: Yeah, everything else was go. You know, like they were moving the ball so well, 400 yards of offense. Kenny was playing better. Like everything that you wanted to be mad about, you really couldn't be on Sunday. So Deontay Johnson was public enemy number one, two, and three for Steelers fans in this game. Um, did make it though. I was just saying, I don't know if, and, and I'm not even, you might be talking about the deep ball. That one yeah. across the middle where he like picks it up off the ground and it's by his fingertips, much more impressive in my opinion from an individual effort because he saves Kenny from what should have been an incompletion. Don't know why the ball was thrown that low. But that's a catch not many guys make, but it goes unnoticed. Um which is fine. I feel like that's kind of been the theme here. But with Deontay, again, I th- fair share of criticism absolutely is warranted on this particular play. But I think you can say that without making some like long term projection or statement about like this guy sucks. This guy needs traded. You know, this guy is a cancer to the team. Like these things are just simply not true. I saw, like, I saw some,
0: I saw some like Twitter coach. I don't know someone, someone who is a coach, but they are. It's they're they're, they're probably more known for their Twitter presence than anything. Said oh, I would have mm. cut him right away. <laughs>
1: like, sure, yeah, I, I'm sure you would have. Like I, I, know, I, I, get is, is, I get being frustrated. I get it,
0: but I mean, you just got to move on from it. Uh, you, he's still one of your best players. It was a is a crappy game for him crappy effort on that play specifically. I mean, it, it just, I, I think that that's part of the problem too, is like, it wasn't just the one thing it was, it was the him having that play where he did run backwards. And then a little bit later, he did have that touchdown that didn't end up being a touchdown, even though it mm-hmm. should have been, it didn't end up being a touchdown, but Steelers fans.
1: Well, if he holds onto it, the ball, like it's, that, it doesn't even put it in it's, question.
0: It, yeah. There's no question on it. So Steelers fans are going to attack him on that too. So that was the second thing. And then after that on the the next ensuing drive you have that happen oh man that was like it's just like bang 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 one two three like you're giving you're you're adding fuel to the fire for everything against you when you're doing
1: that so yeah absolutely Not, not not a great yeah not a great couple series for him um but yeah he's got an opportunity on on sunday to go right back and and get things going and get back in good graces of everybody. So let's talk about that game now against the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, you know, we mentioned two-win team coming here to Accra Short Stadium and the Arizona Cardinals. Very clearly not playing for anything in terms of the 2023 season. Very much playing for something in terms of the 2024 NFL draft. That's for sure. Um, So that doesn't necessarily impact. It's always an interesting conversation, right, the tanking stuff, because the players that are currently on the team still want to win right now. But, you know, is the organization going to let them operate in such a way to be able to win games? Bringing Tyler back, though, and actually, like, having him be part of this process, to me, tells me that they're still competing right now. So it'll be interesting to see what Arizona Cardinals team shows up, because it be interesting to see how healthy they are. But what are your thoughts on this game? Not just from, you know, a score perspective, but also some things to look forward to, whether that's matchups or, like, one guy that you think is just due for a huge performance on Sunday or something like that.
0: You know, I, I am really looking forward to watching um, Cam. Or, 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 or not necessarily one one specific guy, but I just I just think the front line with like Cam Hayward and TJ against the Cardinals' offensive line, which I think is a pretty poor unit overall. I don't think that's a secret yeah. to anybody. I and I think the challenge is as going good to as be,
1: Kyler is, he holds to the ball a lot, like very long. Similarly to Lamar, yeah. like he can he tries to do too much sometimes.
0: Yeah, and I I think that what I was about to say like the challenge is still going to be like you have to contain him, uh, and and that's going to be a challenge for those outside guys like you you can't let him break out in space because he's got the legs and the in the leg movement like he can dance around all day if you give him the time to be able to do so. So I think as far as like just like a unit perspective, that's the one that I'm looking for. Um, is, is seeing how much that, that front line is going to be able – that defensive line unit is going to be able to have an impact on the game just because the Cardinals' offensive line stinks. They they, they do. There's, there's there's no sugarcoating it. They stink. They should be able to get a lot of pressure on, on Kyler. And maybe they don't get like, the sack numbers that Steeler fans might hope in this game because of um, the ability to escape that Kyler possesses. But I think that they're still going to get some pressure on him and like you said, he likes to hold on to the football. I, I I think that they could have a really big day. And with the the way that the rest of the defense has been playing and potentially getting Minka back with pressure on the quarterback, that that really goes well for mistakes from a quarterback. We've seen that for several years against another mobile quarterback like, like Lamar. Lamar has not turned the ball over more against any other team than the Steelers, even only playing in six games against the Steelers compared to like 11 games against like the Bengals and Browns. So... Whenever they get those mobile quarterbacks, the Steelers have a knack to be able to get those guys to turn over the ball. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do from Matt's of perspective. Offensively, I, I I want a big game from George Pickens. i I've been craving it. I don't know why. Um, and, and honestly, I, I think it's because like you you get Pat Frymuth back, he has a big game. We've seen some big games from the running backs. Deontay is doing his thing as outside of last week, I guess. But I, I just want a really big game from from George Pickens. That's the one that I'm looking for. I want them to target. I know we're we're talking about targeting over the middle. I would, I want them to really stretch the field in this game if they if they can. I want Kenny to look for some of those deep shots with George and to be able to take advantage of having a receiver like that.
1: So George had back to back games going over a hundred. He had 130 against Baltimore, then 107 against the Rams. Since then. One catch, 22 yards, two catches, negative one yard, three catches, 45 yards, four catches, 38 yards, three catches, 58 yards. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he probably is a guy that's due for, you know, a breakout performance. I I'm, But I'm going to say Deontay Johnson for because of what we saw on Sunday, because he's been so talked about this week. I think there's going to be an emphasis on him early and often in this one to be able to bounce back. And I think it's going to be, like, not just him. When I say emphasis, I mean, like, everybody's going to want to pick him up. I think Kenny's going to want to get him involved super early. It'll be like the first the play of this last game. Right, yeah. Give him the opportunity to bounce back right away in this one. And he's got a history of doing this to the Cardinals. Rookie work a year. The last time that they matched up with the Cardinals, 172 all-purpose yards, returned a punt for a touchdown, and caught a touchdown from then-quarterback to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Duck Hodges in that one, uh, Kyler's rookie year. Man. So I'm looking for Deontay Johnson offensively in this one. I already talked about the defensive matchup that I was interested in seeing. Trey McBride, like who is going to match up with him? That's why I think Trenton Thompson is still part of this game plan, even with Mink coming back into the fold. I think Kyler, as talented as he is, holds onto the ball a little bit too long. I think you got some opportunities for sacks. I think if you get that pressure on him, you're going to also have opportunities for takeaways. So assuming Minka does come back, I'm going to say he gets his first pick of 2023 as well. And as far as a score goes, I think, and this is bold for a Steelers prediction when you look at what they've done over the last few seasons, I think we're going to have a somewhat comfortable game on Sunday. Like they're going to win by two possessions, I think. I'm. I'm they're not going to, you know, score... Uh, you know, 30 plus points in my opinion, but I think it's going to be something like 26, 13 where the Steelers, where we're able to like know very early in this game that you can just kind of sit back. The Steelers defense is going to do their thing and it's going to be a comfortable win. 26, 13.
0: That would mean the Steelers would cover and 26, 13. That would mean that the under would hit currently in the game. uh, The Steelers are five and a half point favorites and the, Oh, the man. total is set at 41 and a half. So they're, they're, they're really set, like, at, at five and a half boy favorites and the totals is 41 and a half. You're really saying that this game is going to be somewhere around, like, 24 to 18, 20, 24, mm-hmm. 19. Like, and this is the Steelers expecting.
1: at home only favored by. So that would be, like, two and a half in a neutral site.
0: Yeah. Yep. I know, it's... I, i don't know how how much do the sports books are like factoring into kyler coming back and playing well i don't know i i will say that the i think the steelers are going to have a comfortable game as well i think that this the cardinals have no desire to win despite what the players want to do i i don't think that that organization wants to win i think they're really going to be tanking and and and, and setting themselves up nicely for this upcoming draft um And I'll say that the Steelers are going to win this one. I think they win it comfortably with a score of 27 to, you know, even number 10. I think this defense is going to have a good game.
1: Okay. I'm trying to figure out something real quick. Let me. So they're averaging 17 points a game with Kyler since he came back. That's against Atlanta, Houston, and uh, the Rams. None of those defenses are close to Pittsburgh's. I just, I don't see it. I know that the Steelers, again, they're in a lot of close games. They don't score a ton. I just have a hard time thinking that they're that Arizona's offense is going to do much of anything against Pittsburgh's defense. And I think Pittsburgh is still going to be able to run the ball. Like, if they were able to run the ball against these defenses they have, there ain't no way Arizona's going to be the one that stops them.
0: Well, now they're going to be the ones that stop them.
1: i mean if it happens again like i I don't i don't believe in these jinxes so we can come back and revisit this Um, i i I don't necessarily say that
0: because of the the what you just said but because they've been able to run the ball on defenses they haven't now they're going to get stopped by an opponent that they shouldn't be this is kind of the way the Steelers go sometimes
1: yeah yeah being Steelers fans is Means that you are probably more worried about this Cardinals game than you are like the Ravens at the end of the season. If that makes any sense, yeah. Honestly, (laughs) I'm I'm,
0: honestly after the the last like three years, I've never really been worried about playing the Ravens.
1: I know we haven't won every matchup, but like they don't scare me. If you're looking at the teams that they could potentially play in the first round right now, the Steelers, between Jacksonville, Baltimore, Kansas City, Miami, how would you rank them in terms of teams that you would want to play?
0: Um, so n- like number one is the team I want to play. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll go, I'll go four to one then. I would go <sighs> Kansas City, Miami, Jacksonville, Baltimore.
1: I think I'm right there with you. The one I was debating was honestly like, Kansas City hasn't scored a ton in the second half this year. They're not the exact same offense.
0: I don't want to go to Arrowhead was, in January.
1: I know, I know. Yeah, that's why I'm still, I still, but I was debating switching Miami and Kansas City despite me thinking that Kansas City's still the most dangerous team in the playoffs. They still have Patrick Mahomes. It's all about matchups. And I just, this, this Pittsburgh, for as good as their defense is, have the ability to keep up with Miami's speed on the perimeter. I just think that they're a really bad matchup for them. I think they match up pretty well against Baltimore and Jacksonville. So I would say it's like those two are almost tied at the top, and then there's a gap, and then there's the next two are pretty close.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think so as well. I mean, Baltimore's an easy number one, just – I'm so I'm just so comfortable playing. I ball.
1: mean, if you look at the Steelers schedule compared to Baltimore's schedule, Steelers very well still could end up being the ones to win that division. And Baltimore being the one to have to go somewhere else in the to to begin the playoffs.
0: And you know, like 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 you brought up early in the show, Lamar, honestly, knock on wood. I like we never want somebody to get injured. Oh, I love Lamar. But, I love but, Lamar. But yeah. he hasn't been injured yet. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's an anomaly right now that he has not had any uh injury that he's been knocked out with so we don't even know what that's going to happen with that but yeah i I think that steelers schedule coming up and and the remainder of the season for some Mm -hmm. other teams they're in a pretty good position right now and honestly for what we were expecting after the first like few weeks better position than i probably thought they were going to be in
1: yeah there's just like this newfound like rejuvenation if you will because of the changes that they've made on offense but um yeah. Anything else? Nope. The, as far as Steelers
0: goes, nope. Just go check out the links. I know Smitty's about to talk about that, but mm-hmm. Rockin' Around the 412 is... Uh, you, you heard us talk about it. We sounded like a philanthropy philanthropy podcast for the first like six or seven minutes. Um, but Smitty, if you're watching on YouTube, he's pointing out the ancient Tree <laughs> stuff for the Salvation Army. But just just go check out that link. We've only got a few weeks. Um, for the Salvation Army, we've only have, what, a few days? Um yeah. To, man, uh, one day. Friday,
1: Friday's gonna be the Friday's gonna be the last day that we can take donations for Salvation Army.
0: Yeah. So we're only gonna have like a day or so from whenever this comes out. But as far as the whole mission goes, um, we'll, we'll be able to do that until December eleventh. Smitty actually set a hard date this year. We we are kind of more so go with the flow with that, but we have a hard date of December eleventh. So I've, we still have I've two more weeks. We still have two more weeks to be able to do that. We'd love to be able to get in another family. So if you want to continue to roll in those donations, um, that would be such an amazing thing. Like we said, this is our baby. This is something that we look forward to every single year. We kick it off in July, and I can't believe that it's already almost December and it's going to go away. But that means we're just one one day closer to year, year seven of rocking Around the Floor too. Then before we know it, we're going to be at 10 years.
1: There's a lot of stuff that goes into this and sometimes I get stressed out, but I just got to think about the end goal. And, uh, you know, it's stress on me for a little bit of time. These people that we're doing this for live with stress pretty much every day of their lives. So, uh, it's the least amount that that I can do and the least amount that we can do. And again, we're just a vessel. We are the people that put this together, but it's your guys' money that goes, uh, to making this all happen. So we can't thank you guys enough. Again, we've raised over $30,000 since this mission started in 2018, which like saying that number makes no sense. Um, I, I There's been some obviously repeat families and stuff. I'm going to try to get a number uh, for next episode to give you guys just a rough idea in terms of how many people have been impacted. I can tell you for sure, 25 kids from the Salvation Army are going to be opening up gifts on Christmas. Thanks to you guys. And 25 was a number that I was hoping to get to. We only originally took 12. So are we at 28 I was, now? Well, 28 kids total, because three are oh, from 20. a separate family. But but oh, okay. just with the Salvation Army I'm talking gotcha. about here. Gotcha. Because I wanted to get to 25 in my own head. I was just like, 25 is the number I want to be at because of 25 days of Christmas. As stupid as that sounds. That was just the number that I wanted to get to. So when we when we were at 20, or we went from 12, to 18 to 20 to 25 was what we were at, just as donations continued to come in. And we wouldn't be able to do this without Kaylee. Um, shout out to Kingsley, who I went to high school with, who took a tag. Um, Taylor Brown, who's may or may not be watching this show right now, his dad David took a tag. Um, Tracy Nazem took a tag. I'm just trying to shout out people that took tags as well. And then Kaylee, oh Penny, who was Dalton. We talked about Dalton all the time. A big part of the Salvation Army stuff and why we do it. His mom took a couple tags. His sister took a tag. So all these people, again, this is this is why I get emotional talking about it, is because of all the people that have gotten involved with it. Um, it going from me, Tyler, and Herb putting it together and having, I don't know, what was it like, maybe 15, 20 people donate to having, you know, la- the, the one year, 2021, where we raised $11,000 that year. There was 131 different people that donated that year. Ah, uh, this year we have 52 people through GoFundMe, another 10 that have Venmoed me, 54, and then 54 people have donated through GoFundMe, another 10 that have Venmoed me, and then again those people that are taking the tags that are hard to uh, to quantify because Kaylee's passing them out, so I'm not sure who all has gotten them. I just said the names of the people that I know for sure have taken them.
0: We can add one. We can add one more donation. Shout out to Mary King. She's an older woman from my church. She gave $20 to my dad. On uh on Saturday. Okay. So my dad the twenty dollars to- my dad lumped okay. the twenty dollars into his donation. It was a now. random
1: number. Yeah. I was yeah. confused by that. He lumped okay. the
0: twenty dollars into his donations because he asked me when I was there for Thanksgiving, he's like, What do I do with this? And I'm like, just just <laughs> just add it to the money that you were already going to donate. So yeah, yeah shout Mary, out to Mary, shout Mary King. To Mary. She's a Manaka resident, by the way. So hometown girl.
1: <laughs> no, not e- not ever equal. Better, but equal. Um <laughs> But no, everybody that's been a part of this mission, again, we can't thank you enough. You got a couple more days, maybe just one more day to donate if you want to be involved specifically with the Salvation Army stuff. But again, rocking Around the 412 as a whole, you can still donate to until December 11th. The GoFundMe link is in the description. Um, Haley also has has donated that and been a part of that in the past. So shout out to her. Her Etsy and Facebook shops are below for her small business, everything, custom designs. You mentioned the stockings. She's also doing Christmas like bags, like which are cool. So I did
0: see that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So if you want to put like a customized one for your child to put all their gifts in a big bag to be able to much easier on, a, on christmas day than you know like these boxes that i have or anything like that to put gifts in so you can get one of those or a stocking they look really good pristine pristine from haley um but yeah you just can't get a hat so that's about it though anyway, everything else pretty much you can get I just not to even a that santa in.
0: hat we were hoping but
1: we were hoping i was holding out hope i was waiting for the facebook post about it but never came um but other than that for tyler for Smitty. This has been the Around the 412 Steelers show. Jump over to another video that is popping up on your screen right about now, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.